I want you guys to know I'll preach better if you'll respond better. So let's try that one more time. You excited to be in church today? That's what I'm talking about. Today, I want to talk to you about one of my greatest personal struggles. Isn't that such an enticing way to start a sermon? Like, aren't you instantly hooked, right? Like, welcome to church. It's about to get real up in here, right? Um, but before that, quick commercial, okay? So um, next Sunday, September the 15th at 5 p.m., we're going to be having our first interest meeting for our Sandy Springs campus that we'll be launching in August of 2020. Yeah, make some noise. God is moving in our church. He's expanding our territory. And so if you're interested in being a part of that movement, then we would love for you to show up next Sunday night um, at 5 p.m. September the 15th here at Stone Creek Church to learn more about it. Sandy Springs, for those of you who do not know, is the only city in the state of Georgia that is on America's top fastest growing cities list. Okay, so it's a very fast, dynamic, growing city. Sandy Springs also is um, ranked number 10 nationally for millennials to move in the country. So it's the number 10 city nationally for millennials to live. Now, millennials are called by Christian researchers the lost generation. And they're called that because 59% of millennials who grew up in church no longer attend. 80% of people under the age of 30 don't believe attending church is important at all, which means that the city of Sandy Springs is saturated with a generation who do not know about the reckless love and relentless grace of King Jesus. And so we're going to Sandy Springs, and we're going for a generation because the perimeter needs a church like ours. There's a generation there who don't know that there's more to their life than being trapped in nine-to-five little prisons and then just going to the bar on the weekend. There's a generation who needs the experience of church to be elevated, who needs the conversation to be elevated, and who needs a church to talk about the questions that they're wrestling with in their soul and who needs to have the name of Jesus elevated, the nearness and greatness of our God elevated for them to see that he is the only thing worth living their lives for. And so if you're interested, we're gonna ask you to be there on September the 15th. I want for you to know it's gonna be a night full of big vision, full of insane prayer, and full of dependent worship as we begin to walk towards what we believe is going to be a Jesus movement in that city like has never happened before. And so if you're at all interested, if that's ever crossed your radar or piqued your interest as we've been talking about it, you don't, we're not asking you to sign on the dotted line or you know, sell your house or give us your firstborn, okay? If you wanna come check it out, make sure to be here on September the 5th to just see what God may be up to. Here's my last ask. Even if you're not interested in any of that, okay, if you live south of Old Milton Parkway, if you live south of Exit 10, if you're not interested in anything that I just said, you don't care about, you know, changing the world, taking the gospel to a lost in generation, fulfilling your kingdom purpose, like, that's funny people, okay? Even if you just live close, okay, then we're gonna ask you to come next Sunday to just explore what God may be up to because of where he has placed you. I want for you to imagine for a second your grandkids and your kids and your friends who are ages 20 to 35. And I want for you to think about how they think about God and life and love and church and purpose. And I want for you to imagine that you could be a part of flipping the script on a generation. 
there's a generation that is so full of potential. And I'm inviting you to come, uh, to come help me invite them to step into their purpose. And so join me next Sunday night, September 15th. The adventure begins. Let's build the kingdom together. I'll see you there. Okay, so today I want to talk to you about one of my greatest personal struggles. And it's a struggle that, if I'm honest, I tend to try to hide. It's a struggle that I don't really put out there for many people to see. It's a struggle that, if I'm honest, most often masquerades itself as confidence. And it's the struggle of comparison. Anybody else struggle with comparison in the room today? I've titled today's message this, Stop Staring at Others Awesome. Stop staring at others awesome. Let me show you one of my favorite stories in scripture. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 18. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. As I read this last night, I told Kayla that this is what I want 5 p.m. to look like in our house every single day. I wanna come home to singing and dancing and some tambourines. She said, boy, you slay a pay raise and then we'll talk, okay? And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Watch what happens next. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they've ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? Don't miss this. And Saul, King Saul, eyed. He stared at David from that day on. I want for you to think about David for a second. I want for you to watch the insanity of what happens when we stare at others awesome. David's a teenage boy. David's a shepherd boy. David's still going through puberty. 15 minutes ago, David wasn't even on the map, okay? David's voice on the phone they ask him if he's a ma'am, okay? That's David. He's like nowhere close to being relevant. David couldn't fit in King Saul's armor. David couldn't fight with King Saul's sword. It was too heavy for him to lift. David's a nobody. He's not even old enough to enlist yet. Saul, Saul is king. Saul is like the first king of the nation of Israel. He's the OG king, the George Washington king, the original king. And he's been a dang good one at that up to this point. The people chose for Saul to be king, according to the Bible, because he was a foot taller and more handsome than any other man in the entire nation of Israel. The people love him. The people adore him. And he is currently sitting on the throne. His nation has just achieved the greatest military advancement that they have ever accomplished. They defeated Goliath. He's, he's on top. He's king. He's got it made and yet, David from his throne is staring at a shepherd boy carrying a slingshot. Isn't this the way that life goes? Like, your life is awesome until you look at somebody else's life. And then you look at their life and you start to salivate, right? And you start to want what they have. You want to put yourself in their shoes. Like, your life is awesome until you look at someone else's awesome, isn't it? Like, you love your new Toyota, 
You're so pumped about your new Toyota until you look at your friend's new self-driving Tesla, right? And then all of a sudden you start comparing and you're comparing your Toyota to their test, to their spaceship of a Tesla. And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like my car's a toy. Their Tesla puts the toy in your Toyota, right? And you're comparing and you feel like insecure. And this is what we do, right? We compare. And we compare couches and houses and spouses. Girl, just, just let one of your friends build a Joanna Gaines farmhouse. Let it happen. Your husband will be putting shiplap above your fireplace real soon, right? Like in your husband, he don't even, he, he can be handyman handicapped. Anybody got a handyman handicapped husband? Like he don't know how to work a hammer, screw gun, nothing. Any, any men want to admit, yeah, I'm a little handyman handicapped. Okay, I see you preach like I'm with you. All right, but your wife don't care about you. She's got to have the shiplap, so she will risk you sawing off your finger for some painted whiteboards. <laughs> what is wrong with you, women? It's because we're comparing. We're comparing. We are so quick to compare. We compare bodies. We compare wardrobes. We compare how much we know about the stock market. We compare jobs. We compare and we compare and we compare. And what inevitably happens is comparison begins to crush us. Comparison begins to crush us. It makes us feel less than. You know, this is the whole reason that so many of you didn't like this series when you saw the title. You're like, humans are awesome. Humans ain't awesome. Humans are horrible, right? And the reason that you think that humans are horrible is because this is what happens, is that when you stare at others awesome, humans are no longer awesome. Humans are competition, Humans are competition, right? If you don't believe that humans are competition, just watch a couple of moms of toddlers compete over whose two-year-old is more advanced. That is a like mental boxing match like you could never imagine, right? Like it starts as like, oh, well, you know, little, little Johnny, like he's, you know, one and a half and he knows all his colors. And it's like, well, little Susie, I mean, I know she's a little bit older, but she's like reading novels. She's two and Steinbeck is memorized. You know, she's just... Uh, knows it all, right? And like for me, I'm just like, well, my two-year-old like prays over people who are sick in Jesus' name and they get healed. So mic drop. <laughs> Shout out to you, Riley Ray. I know you're watching online, baby girl, right? <laughs> like it's so funny the way that we compare, right? We're comparing how advanced our toddlers are. What is wrong with us? It's birthed out of this wild place of insecurity where we just start to compare and then we start to compete and inevitably it crushes us. It crushes us. It crushes the awesome that God has placed within us. You know what Saul should have done? If Saul should have celebrated David's awesome. Like think about what just happened. Saul just got dropped in his lap, the greatest secret weapon in the history of military warfare. Like what nation is gonna run trembling when you send out, you know, this little teenage boy with a slingshot, they're gonna be like, oh, we got this in the back. And then David starts dropping nuclear slingshot bombs. Like he should have celebrated David's awesome, embraced the fact that he's got a warrior who's willing to risk his life for Saul's kingdom, Saul's on the throne. He's just, he should be celebrating David's awesome, but he's not celebrating, he's staring and he's comparing and then he's competing and then he starts chasing. 
And if you know the story of the Bible, King Saul starts to chase David all over the nation of Israel, up and down mountains, um, in and out of caverns. He is chasing him to try to catch him, to try to kill him. But what inevitably ends up happening is that while Saul is chasing David, Saul's calling gets killed. Saul's kingdom collapses, and Saul eventually ends up losing his life. Because comparison is a killer. Comparison is a killer. Comparison kills friendships. It crushes community. Comparison kills your identity. You start to wonder who you are and why you're not good enough. Comparison crushes. It kills contentment. You're never satisfied. You've got this insatiable lust in you for more because you're constantly comparing your house and your car and your bank account and your job and your life to everyone else's. And it kills you. But more than all of that, I think the thing that God brought me here to tell you this morning is that comparison kills your calling. Comparison kills your calling. I think that what God brought me here to tell you this morning is don't let comparison cost you your calling. Don't let comparison cost you your calling. Do you know that God has placed a call on your life? One that is so unique, so special, so tailor-made, so carving out for you, for no one but you, for you. There's a call on your life, but your comparison is costing you your calling. You're missing out on who God has created you to be because you're so busy looking at what you're not and who everybody else is. You're preoccupied with comparison. And guys, I want you to know I struggle with this like so much. I struggle with comparison so much. And like, I don't just struggle with comparison like in the big things. I struggle with comparison like in the little things, like the tiny details of life. Like I struggle with comparison like with the barbecue that I make, okay? Do any, are any of y'all like into barbecue? Anybody into barbecue? Like maybe you got a big green egg, you like smoking stuff, okay? Um, are any of you, any of you got one of those like do it for you electric grills, like a Traeger? Anybody got one of those, a Traeger? Do you, do you cheat on your taxes too? That's hilarious, right? Because it does it for you. Cheat on your taxis, you cheat on barbecue, Traeger. Okay, all right. Um, so I had some friends up to the lake this past weekend, and um, I decided to smoke barbecue. Now, one of the friends that I had up to the lake, I need to tell y'all, he owns a company called, get ready for this, Best Butts Barbecue. Number one, arrogant. Number two, I'm a little intimidated because if your company is best butts, it's got to be pretty good, right? And so, man, I go all in. I smoke this thing for 18 hours. I make a homemade rub, a homemade sauce, put it all together. And I'm like, man, can't wait for this dude to taste my butt. He's going to taste my delicious butt. Never thought I was going to say that in a sermon, just to be totally transparent. Never thought I was going to say taste my delicious butt in a sermon. But there it is, right? Welcome to Stone Creek. So I'm so ready. I'm so ready for him to try it. And like it comes out and I'm just playing it cool. Like, yeah, man, you know, try it. No big deal. And, you know, he, he tries it and he's, you know, very complimentary. It's very good, all of that. But don't you know that kids will tell the truth where adults will lie? And so his son got a hold of my delicious butt. And um, he, uh, he was eating it and he was like, sir, I want you to tell you it's pretty good, but my dad's is definitely better. And don't you know that later on that day when we were on the boat, I threw his kid off the tube in Jesus' name. 
No, I didn't, but I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to. Ain't that the way that life goes, though? Comparing barbecue making us feel insecure. And it's, it's, it's in every area of my life, if I'm real. It's when I get in and out of my car. It's up here on stage right now. Like, if I'm real, I feel like this sense of comparing and wondering if you're comparing. Like, are you comparing? Like, am I stylish enough? Like, are you comparing me to Joe Baker? And am I stylish enough? Are you comparing me to Steven? Like, are, do my arms look as good as his? Are you comparing, right? I've got this comparison about, like, am I preaching good enough right now? Like, I know that within 45 minutes of here, you've got Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio, two of the greatest communicators of our generation, and I'm wondering, why are you sitting here listening to me, and are you comparing me, and am I funny enough, am I clear enough, am I passionate enough, do I have enough skills to pay the bills? Like, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm comparing myself. I watch my sermons back, and I go, gosh, you're so awkward up there, buddy. Like, and, and, and it holds me hostage. Like, I could tell you right now, like, I know you don't care about this, but this is just me bearing my honest soul, okay? I could tell you the age of every megachurch pastor and how young they were when they started their church. And I could tell you the immense amount of insecurity and defeat that I feel that I'm older than them right now. And the way that I'm looking over my shoulder and I'm looking at their church and I'm looking at their Instagram, and I'm looking at their accomplishments, and I'm looking at their successes, and I'm feeling like a failure because I'm comparing myself, constantly comparing myself. And then it's got me wondering, will I ever be good enough? Will I ever accomplish anything? Does God even need me? How will I ever catch up? And then social media just makes the whole thing so much worse, doesn't it? Social media makes the whole thing so much worse because, you know, it used to be that you only had to stare at other people's awesome when you saw him. But now you're staring at other people's awesome all the stinking time, right? You're just seeing their awesome every day, no matter what, no matter what they're doing. They're posting their awesome, right? And I just find myself watching everybody else's awesome and feeling defeated because that's not my awesome, right? And, 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 and so I'm like frustrated with my friends when they post pictures of their new car or their vacation. Like, have you ever seen a friend post a picture of a vacation and just been mad at that friend? You're just mad at them, just frustrated. Like, and what's up, what's up with the vacation pictures where like, you know, the girl's feet and book are like right there. She's got like the ocean and her feet and the book. I just find myself hating your ocean, hating your book and definitely hating your feet. <laughs> like what's going on? Like, cause I'm comparing, cause that's not my vacation. I didn't get to go to Malibu. And so I've got this like, oh, just frustration. Social media makes it so much worse. Can I just tell you Instagram is a lie? Instagram is such a lie. And what happens is we're comparing our real every day to everybody else's Instagram highlight reel and then wondering why we're so defeated, why we're so exhausted, why we feel so out of place. I want you to know that there's some of you like who, um, like you need to get off Instagram. Like you need to fast from social media. Others of you, you need to get off of it completely altogether. It's just not good for you. Because what's happening when we become preoccupied with comparing ourselves to others on social media is it's like we're on a treadmill. Like, go with me on this for a second. Like, you're on a treadmill, and have you ever thought about the funny thing about the treadmill is you're running so hard but going nowhere, right? Like, you are sweating and running and giving it your all, but you just kind of staying right in the same place. That's exactly what happens when you're comparing yourself to people on Instagram. You're scrolling, you're searching, you're looking, but you're just stuck behind a screen staring 
looking at their awesome day out there, living, dreaming, doing, accomplishing. You're stuck staring. It's just like being on a treadmill. You're exhausted and tired and have gone nowhere because you're comparing yourself to all these other people. And what would happen if we would get our eyes off of other people's awesome and we would get our eyes fixed on the awesome that God has created and placed within us? If we would begin to embrace the race that God has marked out for us to run and stop comparing. Do you know what comparing does? Comparing makes you feel superior or inferior. Those are the only two options. It's never gonna make you feel better. It's gonna make you feel inferior, like I don't measure up, I'm never good enough, I can't accomplish what they can accomplish, I'm never gonna make that much money, I'm never gonna have that house, I'm never gonna go on that vacation, my kids are never gonna perform as well, I'm never gonna have as many kids as them, whatever, it makes you feel inferior. But you know that comparing, well, you'll use it to make you feel superior too, to make you feel better about yourself. You don't believe me? Can you say people watching? Like, I'm hopping on an airplane today to go to the West Coast, and I'm going to be on uh, at the airport, and I promise you, I love people watching. But when I'm people watching, this is not what I'm doing. I'm not going, oh, man, look at that dude's shoes. Those are so hot. And look at that haircut. I'm going to rock that. Look at that new jacket. That's so good. Oh, man, those kids, they're so polite. That's not what I'm doing, right? I'm looking at people in the airport, and I'm going, what in the world is wrong with you? <laughs> Your kid needs to be on a leash. <laughs> Do you own a mirror? You smell so bad. It is pronounced Reese's Pieces, not Reese's Pieces. Right? Like, that's, that, these are the thoughts that are going on. I'm comparing, and I'm trying to just make myself feel better. Like, I'm so confident now because, like, I'm better than this person that I don't even know. Comparing makes you feel superior or inferior, but watch this, but neither elevate Jesus which is what you've been called and created and crafted and formed and graced to do. You're, you're, the job of your life is not to feel superior or inferior. It's to elevate Jesus. And when you compare, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But we get so stuck, so caught up in this comparison game. And what starts to happen is comparing makes me like you less. It makes me like me less, and it makes me like God less. Because when I'm comparing myself to you, I'm just frustrated with you that I don't have what you have, I don't look like you look, I don't have the skills that you have, I don't have the vacations that you have, I don't have the bank account that you have, and so it makes me like you less, I don't wanna be friends with you, unfollow you. It makes me like me less too, like I'm not good enough, I'm never gonna amount to anything. What is my life even for in the first place? And then it makes me like godless, which is the really scary thing. We don't think about it, but this comparison that we're doing is actually shaping our understanding of the character of God. We start to think, God, why are you holding out on me? God, why don't you love me? Why wouldn't you give that to me? Well, because he's given you a unique race to run. He's given you a unique path to walk, a unique voice to have. But when we compare, it robs us of the joy and the awesomeness of others, ourselves, and the greatness of our God. I want for you to know that differences are God's design. He made you different from others on purpose. 
Let me show you one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you know that there's a race set before you? That before the foundations of the world, the great God of the universe marked out a path that only you could walk. It's not my race. It's not your spouse's race. It is your race. Not your neighbor's race. Not Instagram's race. Your race. It's set before you. It's our turn. Our time. Our moment to run. And so this is what God says. He says, so look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Stare at Jesus. Obsess over Jesus, not others. You got a race to run. Focus on Jesus, and that will move you forward. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't want for you to miss this part right here at the end. I find myself so often being drawn to thinking about people and comparing myself to them at the end of their journey, at the end of their story, at the pinnacle of their success, right? When they've led the movement, when they've wrote the book, when they've made the million dollars, when they've bought the dream home, I look there and I compare myself to them there. But what I don't do is I don't compare myself to them way back here when they were in the struggle, when they were in the grind, in the fight, and in the thick of it, when they were questioning and working. I never look there to compare myself, right? It's only at the end. Well, look at Jesus, right? Jesus, the joy that was set before him was at the end. Nobody looks at Jesus on the cross and goes, hey, yeah, I'm just comparing myself to you on the cross, Jesus, and I wish we could trade places. Nobody wants the cross, but everybody wants to sit on the throne in the end. And what if we could stop comparing people's end successes and just embrace that we're all at different parts of our journey, we're all at different parts of our race, and so let's just stop comparing and let's just see how God works it all out in the end? Because I oftentimes wonder how different the economy of comparison in heaven is gonna be from earth. And so many of the people that I compared myself to here that I was so envious and jealous of, what is it gonna look like when we get there? And who's really gonna be jealous then? What if, what if we could get our eyes on Jesus and run our race? What if we could begin to obsess over Jesus, realize that there's a call on our lives, a race that has really been marked out for us, that God has placed awesome things in us to do, things that he's put us here to do, a lane that he's carved us out to walk in. Don't you know that the fastest way to lose a race is to look in someone else's lane? Like if you're a track runner and you step over the line, it doesn't matter if you finished first, you lost. 2019, the Kentucky Derby on May uh, 4th, uh, the 150th running of the Kentucky Derby. Something that happened that has never happened before. The horse that finished in first place actually ended up losing the race because during the race, he drifted into the lane of another jockey. And because he got in that other lane, it cost him the win. And isn't this exactly what happens to us? God's given us this race to run, but we're just looking in the other lane, looking at what they've got and what they're doing and find ourselves drifting and running a different race as opposed to the race that's been marked out for us to run. 
You know that God made you, you, uniquely you, like no one else needed your hairs together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He planned out the days of your life, determined where you would live, gave you the gifts that you have, and didn't give you the gifts that you don't have to do what you've been called to do. You aren't called to do anything that God has not fully equipped you to do. You want to be a worship leader and you can't sing? You ain't supposed to be a worship leader. God has placed it in you and you need to embrace the you that God has created you to be. You see, I've spent so much of my life personally being frustrated by what I'm not, by being frustrated by what I don't have. Like there was a season in my life, I was so annoyed that I'm this loud, obnoxious guy. I hated being the loud, obnoxious guy. Like, I just wanted to be more humble and, like, servant-hearted and kind and compassionate. I wanted that. And so I just started being quiet. And what I didn't realize is that I was forfeiting my calling. Because in a deaf world that is asleep to spirituality, God uses loud, obnoxious people to wake the world up to the wonder of Jesus. And when you love who God's created you to be, you live in the lane that he's carved out for you, there's no, no telling what you could accomplish for the kingdom. But so many of us, man, we're just looking in others' lanes. We're just playing up to our competition. Let me ask you, whose race are you running? Whose race are you running? You're, you're, you're wondering why you're so exhausted, you're so tired, so at the end of your rope. Well, it's because you, you're running in a lane that you were never created to run in. You're not designed to do that, to operate that way, to run that faster, to run that hard. And so maybe if you'd get back in your lane, you would feel the peace and fulfillment and satisfaction in life that Jesus wants for you. Or, or maybe you're bored. Like you're, whose race are you running where you're just bored? Because you're playing to the level of your competition and God has created you to be a spiritual Usain Bolt. But you're just using your life to build up numbers in some invisible bank account. And you're so bored because you're living in somebody else's lane. Because you started to stare at somebody else's awesome. You need to have your eyes on Jesus and the awesome that he's placed within you. You. Like I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. By the grace of God, I am what I am. If you could live in that reality, by the grace, the gifts, the goodness of God, I am what I am. I've been designed to be this way. I don't need to compare myself to anybody else. God made me this way to be this person. And that's not to say that we don't address failures or that we don't address sin or that we don't try to grow. Of course we do. But I, I, I'm not talking about functionality. I'm talking about the way that God made you. I'm talking about the way that he fashioned you together, who you're purposed to be. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What if we stopped complaining about all the pieces that we didn't get and we started celebrating the masterpiece that he made us to be? And I want you to know that's not just self-help, like speak it out in the universe jargon. That's Bible, okay? That's Bible. Let me show you Ephesians chapter two. For we are God's, give me that word, masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The race has been marked out for you to run and what would happen today if we would get our eyes on King Jesus and we would stop comparing ourselves with others. I wanna ask you this question. Who or what makes me awesome? Who or what makes me awesome? What's your answer to that question? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it your spouse? Is it your talent? Is it your skill? Is it your bank account? Is it your house? 
who or what makes me awesome. I want for you to know that if your answer is anything other than Jesus, you're running a race that you can never win. There is nothing exteriorly that it's going to satisfy the void that you feel in your heart. There is no external thing that you could get that would be enough to make you feel enough. Nothing's gonna make you awesome other than the God who is awesome, the God who is incomparable. It's so funny, what would happen if we could get our eyes off the glory of others and onto the glory of God? What if we could get our eyes onto His greatness? I love the way that Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 40, where God says, who then will you compare me with, says the Lord? He has no rival, no equal. There is no one who is like him, who loves like God, acts justly like God, owns what he owns, can do what he can do, knows what he knows, has accomplished what he has accomplished, who loves and forgives and walks patiently like him. Why are we so consumed with comparing ourselves to little people when we've got the creator who we could begin to obsess over? You know, the same thing that we do with life and the physical, we do with God and the spiritual. We compare ourselves and inevitably we either feel inferior or we feel superior. We feel superior because we've surrounded ourselves with a bunch of spiritual bums and we look around at our neighbors and our family and we think, well, I'm more spiritual than them. I go to church once every eight weeks. I read my Bible once, prayed for my kid to get a good grade. And so we feel superior because we're comparing ourselves to them or we feel inferior. We go, well, I could never be as good as them. I don't love God as much as them. I haven't, I haven't done as much for the kingdom as them. And we forfeit the call God has placed on our life because we compare ourselves to the wrong people. You and I, you gotta know this this morning. There's one we are compared to, and that is the Holy One who is Jesus. The one sovereign, the one Lord, the one King, and He was perfect, He was spotless, He was blameless, He was innocent. And I want you to know in the comparison game, you're never gonna measure up. You're never gonna be good enough. Your morality, your success, your good behavior, it's not gonna be enough. There is one who is worthy. And the great glory of the gospel is that we can surrender our lives to him, be found in him, and then live a race, run a race that is marked out for us by the great God of the universe. And so I think today, some people need to surrender the comparison game and they, begin, they need to begin to run their race and keep their eyes on Jesus, the uncomparable, the unrivaled, the great God and King of the universe. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe that there's some people in the room today who've been caught up in this comparison game and who are completely exhausted, completely frustrated, and who don't know the call that God has placed on their life. I think that there's some people who don't know that one day the comparison between you and Jesus is gonna happen and that you're not ready for it. And that the only way to get ready for that day is to surrender your life to him. 
And so if you want to give up the game of comparison, of trying to be something that you're not, of living in somebody else's lane, and you wanna love the lane that God has given you to live in, then with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to repeat after me, say, God, I'm done. I am done comparing. God, I am done pretending. And God, I need you. Jesus, there is no one like you. Jesus, I believe your cross made a way for me. And Jesus, I believe your resurrection has carved out a race for me to run and a life for me to live. I want to surrender to you and live for you and you alone because you love me just as I am with all my fears and all my mistakes and all my flaws and all my thinking of myself more highly than I ought to. You still love me and you're not done with me yet. So I surrender to you today. I wanna ask those of you who prayed that prayer to do something bold with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to lift your hand up in the air to not look to your left or to your right or care about other people in other lanes or focus on others awesome, but just to celebrate the awesomeness that God has done in your heart today. I want for you to lift your hand up in the air saying, I am deciding and choosing to follow Jesus on the count of three. One, two, three. I see you hands all over the room. God sees you hands all over the room. Praise God today. Jesus, you are awesome. Let's celebrate that right now. Come on, let's celebrate. Dead people coming alive. God, you are awesome. There is no one like you. There has never been and there never will be. And God, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes ever focused on Jesus. Let the things of this world become dim, dark, and dull and let Jesus become more beautiful. We ask it in his beautiful name and for his great renown. And all God's people said, amen, amen.